0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can gather in your name. Lord, we thank you that we can come before you and call you Father and know that you, our Father, speak to your children. Lord, we thank you that you speak to us through your word. And Lord, we pray that we may have ears to listen as we look at your word this morning. May it be instructive to us as to how we are to live as your people. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I think we all recognise that meetings are important, that we recognise the need to meet with others. And for myself as a pastor, I go from one meeting to another uh, throughout the week. I have, of course, church meetings with larger groups of people and then I have church meetings with individuals or just one of two people. And then, of course, I have meetings with my family. We meet together for dinner together. We also meet for family devotions. Uh, each night we spend some time around the Word and uh, praying together. And also I meet with my wife on different occasions. And my favourite meeting of the week has to be my meeting with my wife on pretty much usually Friday nights. We have date night uh, where we put the kids to bed early and then we have a quiet dinner by ourselves or we get a babysitter once a month and we go out and we just have some time alone apart from the children, which I have to say is my favourite meeting of the week pretty much of all the meetings that I have. It is lovely to spend some alone time with her and be able to speak to her without constant interruptions. Uh, but we recognise this, that meetings are important. Meetings are part of our lives. We are social creatures. We are called to be in relationships with those around us, and so we're supposed to meet with one another. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at the subject of meetings and a particular meeting that happens in the Bible and how that should relate then to the meetings that we have today as Christians. And we're going to be looking at the meeting that is spoken about in Ezra chapter 10. In Ezra chapter 10. And so I encourage you if you've got a black church Bible, open it up to page 470 and we'll be looking at the meeting that occurs in Ezra chapter 10. But you may be saying, how does Ezra fit in with the rest of the Bible? I'm a bit confused as to what is the context of this particular passage. Well, a quick rundown as to how this fits into the Bible would of course begin with the, where the Bible begins, which is with Genesis. Genesis is where God created the heavens and the earth, and then eventually he calls a particular person to himself. That person is called Abraham. Abraham is mentioned in Genesis and he then has a a son and then a grandson. That grandson is called Israel and Israel then has 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. Those 12 tribes of Israel end up in Egypt. Egypt is not very nice to them, puts them in slavery. Then God, in his mercy, redeems them out of slavery in Egypt under the leadership of a man called Moses. Moses brings them through the Red Sea up to the Promised Land after wandering in the desert for 40 years, and they then end up in the land of Canaan, which is the area known as Israel today. While the Israelites are there living in Israel they have a number of kings rule over them including King David and King Solomon but gradually over the centuries it becomes more and more apparent that these people are not people who are following God at all and as a result God brings in other nations to conquer the Israelites. The Israelites are decimated in a large way and eventually a whole bunch of them are taken over into exile to a country called Babylon. They're there for a period of time and then God allows the Israelites who are in exile to go back again to the promised land. And that happens under the leadership of Ezra. There is a first wave that comes back, but then Ezra also brings them back, this man called Ezra. And we have been studying Ezra as he has come back with these Israelites and then what has happened after he has returned. And one big event that has happened once the Israelites come back to the land of Canaan is that it turns out these exiles, these Israelites have started to marry people from other nations and they were explicitly forbidden to do that because that would lead them to worship other gods. It was okay to marry someone from another nation if they were willing to worship the Israelite god but it is not okay to, worship, to marry someone who is following a false religion. And so Ezra, the spiritual leader, has been quite convicted about this and we've seen how he has torn out his hair, he has torn his beard, he has ripped his clothes, he has prayed about it, he has fasted and he has put the Israelites under oath that they should now remove this sin from their lives. And that's what we looked at last time we looked at this passage was the fact that Ezra fasted over this matter and that was in Ezra chapter 10, verse 6. Ezra chapter 10, verse 6, we read, Then Ezra withdrew from before the house of God and went to the room of Jehoanun, son of Eliashib. And while he was there, he ate no food and drank no water because he continued to mourn over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. So the exiles have been unfaithful in marrying foreign women. And he has fasted about it. And so last time I preached, I preached on that subject that doesn't often get preached on, uh, the subject of fasting. But this morning I want to look at what happens next. What happens next? And that is that the Israelites call what we would call a members' meeting. They call a meeting. And that happens in verses 7, 8, and 9, and that's the subject of this morning's sermon, the meeting that happens. And firstly, we've got to ask, how did they go about arranging this meeting? How did they go about arranging the meeting? And that's my first main point. The Israelite meeting was advertised. If you want to follow my main points, they're listed on the back of the church bulletin so that you can see where we're headed. And the first is that the Israelite meeting was advertised. And we see this notice go out in verse 7. A proclamation was then issued throughout Judah and Jerusalem for all the exiles to assemble in Jerusalem. We see this notice, this invitation has gone out to Throughout Judah and Jerusalem, and it gives the relevant details that you would expect whenever their meeting is called. What do we expect when a meeting is called? We want to know who is the meeting for. So many meetings in workplaces, I think, often call people into meetings who don't actually need to be there. One of the best ways to have uh, business meetings is to actually make sure that only those who need to be there are actually in the room and you're not wasting everybody else's time. And so here with this meeting, we've got to ask who needs to be at this meeting. And it says there in verse 7 that it's meant to be all the exiles. Verse 7 says, A proclamation was then issued throughout Judah and Jerusalem for all the exiles to assemble in Jerusalem. All the exiles were meant to come. All the Israelites who had returned from Babylon were meant to come to this meeting. We're also meant to ask whenever there's a meeting, where is the meeting to be held? And it tells you there in verse 7, it says all the exiles were to assemble in Jerusalem. They know that they're supposed to go to Jerusalem for this meeting. They're not supposed to go somewhere else, which of course is important in this day in the time of Ezra because, let's face it, if you go in the wrong direction and you don't have a car, all you've got is your feet, uh, if you go somewhere that's the wrong place and it's many miles away from where you're supposed to be, it's going to be difficult for you to make it to the meeting on time. And so it's important that these Israelites know where the meeting is. And, of course, it's at the capital in Jerusalem. And then it's also important whenever there's a meeting called to know when is the meeting. When is the meeting? You don't want to show up on the wrong day and waste your time. You have to know when is the meeting to be. And that is told to us that it's to be within three days. And that's in verse 8. Anyone who failed to appear within three days would forfeit all his property in accordance with the decision of the officials and elders and would himself be expelled from the assembly of the exiles. It said there that they had to show up within three days. And then in verse 9, it actually tells us the date that the meeting took place. It says, Within three days, all the men of Judah and Benjamin had gathered in Jerusalem, and on the twentieth day of the ninth month, all the people were sitting in the square before the house of God, greatly distressed by the occasion and because of the rain. It happened on the 20th day of the ninth month. So the date is fixed, the location is fixed, People, the relevant parties are informed that they are supposed to be there. But whenever there's a meeting called, you always ask the question, well, how important is it that I come? There's always different meetings that are, being placed, uh, we're we're invited to, and you go, oh, I can go to this one, I I don't really want to go to that one, and I really want to go to this one. Whenever Whenever you're invited to a meeting, you have to ask the question, well, how important is it that I'm there? And that brings me to my second main point this morning. The Israelite meeting was attended under threat of discipline. The Israelite meeting was attended under threat of discipline. It was made very clear to the Israelites that they must be there or there would be consequences. They would be disciplined. Church discipline was proposed for the Israelites who didn't come. What was the discipline that was proposed for them? Well, the first thing would be that they would forfeit all their property. And we see that in verse 8. Anyone who failed to appear within three days would forfeit all his property. All his property would be forfeited, uh, which is quite a threat and quite a spur to get you along to a meeting if you were to know that if you missed that meeting, you would lose everything that belongs to you. And then also, not just that you would lose all your property, it also is made clear that those who didn't go to that assembly would be expelled from the community. And we see that in verse 8 as well. It says, Anyone who failed to appear within three days would forfeit all his property in accordance with the decision of the officials and elders and would himself be expelled from the assembly of the exiles. Not only do you lose everything you own, you're not allowed to be a part of that community anymore, which is quite a significant thing when we consider the, the way that that community functioned. These are exiles. These are people who have come back. They're a minority group. And if you're kicked out of that group, then, of course, you lose that physical support that you have. Plus, you've just lost all your property as it's been confiscated. But you lose any hope of future physical support. And also, if you're kicked out of the community, you lose spiritual support. If you're kicked out of God's people, if you're expelled from that community, then, of course, you have no access to the priests anymore who offer sacrifices for your sins and instruct you about the law. This is quite a significant act of discipline that would be placed upon those who didn't show up at the meeting. They would lose their property and also be expelled from the community, which meant they would lose more physical support and also that they would lose spiritual support as well. Now this sounds a bit extreme. And you say, oh, did some town crier get a bit carried away in his message and say... I'm telling you all this and I want to make it worth my while that I've come to tell you all this, so just you come or you'll lose everything. No, we see that this is part of the decision of the leaders of the community. It says in verse 8, Anyone who failed to appear within three days would forfeit all his property in accordance with the decision of the officials and elders. This is not some person making it up as he goes out there. It's the officials and the elders who have decided that this would take Place, you may say, okay, well, could they really do it? Could they really take people's property off them if they didn't show up at a meeting? Yes, they could. Ezra had actually been given authority by the king to do whatever he saw fit to administer justice in the land and to make sure that people were keeping the practices of the of the of the land of of their God. With threats, he was able to make. Clear threats to them. And we see that back in Ezra chapter 7. It was a long time since I preached on Ezra chapter 7. But flip with me back to there a couple pages earlier. Ezra chapter 7, verse 25, where we're reading a letter from King Artaxerxes about Ezra. King Artaxerxes writes this letter giving Ezra authority. Chapter 7, verse 25 of Ezra. It says, And you, Ezra, in accordance with the wisdom of your God, which you possess... Appoint magistrates and judges to administer justice to all the peoples of Trans-Euphrates, all who know the laws of your God, and you are to teach any who do not know them. Whoever does not obey the law of your God and the law of the king must surely be punished by death, banishment, confiscation of property, or imprisonment. Ezra has authority to put people to death, to banish them, to confiscate their property or to imprison them by order of King Artaxerxes, the king of that whole empire that has been put into his care. It's not an empty threat that Ezra and the officials are making here. They could take people's property from them for failing to show up at a meeting. Okay, so the Israelites, we see, are to come to this meeting. An advertisement is given and it's to come under threat of discipline. But do the Israelites actually come to the meeting? Well, that's what we're going to look at now, and the answer, of course, is yes. And that's my third main point. The Israelite meeting was attended under difficult conditions. The Israelite meeting was attended even under difficult conditions. We see in verse 9 that everybody shows up within the three days. We read that in verse 9. Within the three days... All the men of Judah and Benjamin had gathered in Jerusalem. They all came. And interestingly, they came even though it was difficult time to come. And just in itself, travel in that time would have been difficult as well. These people would have been scattered out. Uh, roads may not have been as easy to travel along as we experience today. And of course, they had no motor vehicles. They had no cars to drive no buses to ship them all in, and so it would have been difficult to travel just to begin with. But then also that time of year was a tricky time to travel as well. It was a time that you'd really want to stay where uh, where you live. You'd want to stay at home. Because we understand from verse 9 that this is the ninth month. The ninth month is the middle of winter, and it's actually the rainy season in Israel. And that month is often associated with hail and snow. You may not think of it snowing in Israel that much, but it does snow, and it snows in Jerusalem. This is the middle of winter, and here they're calling a meeting where people have to travel and come long distances in cold climates uh, where you know we don't have they didn't have the luxuries that we have today. They didn't travel in air conditioned vehicles that were nice and warm, and they didn't have the clothing that we possess today were particularly warm that had been designed well. It's difficult conditions. And then we know that it wasn't like this was a time where it was a really warm winter's day and it kind of was a good time to travel. Like God just opened up the clouds and it was a nice sunny day for the meeting. No, we actually read here in verse 9 that it was pouring rain. It was pouring rain when they met. Verse 9 says, Within the three days all the men of Judah and Benjamin had gathered in Jerusalem. And on the twentieth day of the ninth month all the people were sitting in the square before the house of God, greatly distressed by the occasion and because of the rain. They'd come in pouring rain in the middle of winter to this meeting. And it says that they're greatly distressed there. Another way that that word could be translated is trembling which is what the ESV translation has. And that word is used in Psalm 104, verse 32, for when the earth quakes before God. So it's like this trembling that they're having there. And in Daniel 10, verse 11, that same Hebrew word is used for when Daniel has a vision of an angel. He trembles before this angel. And so here the people are trembling. Why are they trembling? Well, one reason is, it says, uh, because of the occasion, because of the, uh, the, the matter, and is another way of translating that word occasion, but also because of the rain. I think they're just cold. They're shivering at this meeting. I mean, we talk about Des Moines Baptist Church building being a bit cold, but I don't think it's as cold as it was that day for these Israelites as they met. To discuss this matter. We enjoy nice heating in our building uh, over the last couple of years, but it used to be bitterly cold. And if you want to see how cold it used to be, just go into one of the side rooms that isn't heated this morning. We're in the, uh, we're coming up to the, min- the middle of winter now. It's a bit cold, but it's not as cold as that day, I'm sure. They attended the meeting even under difficult conditions. So the question then is, why would they go to all this effort for a members meeting? It's a members' meeting, surely. You don't go to all this effort. Send out the proclamation, okay. But put them under threat of discipline and then, oh, come on, it's the middle of winter. Do we really have to come? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point. The Israelite meeting was attended because of sin. The Israelite meeting was attended because of sin. Once again, as we look at these three verses, we see how serious this sin was in the eyes of God and in the eyes of Ezra and the other leaders of that community. They knew that something serious had taken place and they needed serious serious remedy. And that remedy was that we need to get people together to discuss this issue and resolve it. And so they saw that meeting as very important because the issue to be discussed was very important. Remember what I said about the fact that they were trembling? They were greatly distressed. Why? Because of the rain? Yes. But also because of the occasion, because of the matter that was before them. They realized that this was serious and so they made sure they came and they made sure that anyone didn't come would get in big trouble for not attending. So this is the Israelites many years ago and their members' meeting. Why bother talking about it today? Why bother including it in God's word? Why did the Holy Spirit preserve these words for us today? Is there any sort of relevance for us now? Well, I think it does have relevance for us today. I think we should learn from this about our own meetings. Because let's face it, we as God's people still have meetings today. Our church has a number of meetings We have, of course, our Sunday morning worship service, but we also have prayer meetings, we have Bible studies, we have different get-togethers, we have church lunches. We have all these different meetings. Can we learn anything from Ezra and this meeting about our meetings today? Well, I think we can. And that brings me to my fifth main point this morning. Our meetings should be advertised Just as Ezra made sure his meeting was advertised well, our meetings should be advertised well as in this day and age too. We should follow the example of Ezra and advertise our meetings by making sure it's known in the relevant places. We make sure that people know who is invited, who is welcome at our meetings. We should make sure that people know where our meetings are and when the meetings are as well. Does Dromoyne Baptist do this? Well, yes, we do. Our meetings are advertised in the church bulletin, but that's at a meeting itself, so you'd have to come along to find out about that, which all of you are here this morning, so of course you can see there in our church bulletin our different meetings. But we also advertise on websites. We advertise on flyers that we send out to people. We have it up on church signs so that people know who is welcome, where our meetings will take place, and when they are. And when it comes to our members' meetings, we actually have a law in our constitution Concerning the advertisement of our members' meetings. I don't know how often you read our constitution. I probably read it more than all of you. But it says in our constitution Notice of any church meeting, that's members' meeting, is to be given at the Sunday worship services on the two preceding Sundays. I can't call a members' meeting immediately after this service unless I've told you two Sundays in advance that the members' meeting is to be had. Which I think is a principle that we can get from Ezra chapter 10 that we've got to let people know about our meetings. And that's what we seek to do. We let people know. And one of the things that I think we're very good at at Des Moines Baptist as well is just never changing the time and location of our meetings as well, particularly our Sunday morning services. Our Sunday, service at 10 a, Sunday services are at 10 a.m. every week, Sunday morning, same location. And I've seen that happen for... The seven years that i've been here, and I'm sure it's happened for many years before that the only time i'll warn you the only time we have our morning service at nine a m is Good Friday and christmas day, Good Friday and Christmas day. The rest of the year round it is at ten a m and I think we do that so that no one comes late, no one gets um gets confused about when things are on because we know that these things are important and so we advertise them accordingly. But what about threats? Should we make threats that people must come to the meetings? And that's my sixth main point this morning. Our meetings should be attended under threat of discipline. Our meetings should be attended under threat of discipline. If non-members don't come to our meetings, they don't come to our Sunday worship services, they don't come to Bible studies, well, we can't really do much about that. I can warn them of the dangers of not being part of a local church and say, do you realise what you're doing? You're cutting yourself off from the body of Christ. You need to be a part of a church and warn them in that way, but I can't actually do anything to them. But with members, we actually can do something, and that is do what happened in Ezra's time where the threat was made that you would be expelled from the community. It's very interesting when you look at the Greek translation of this Hebrew passage, um, and we've got to remember the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek, and in the Greek language, the word for church is the word that comes over into our language as church, and it's used so commonly in the New Testament. It's actually used in this passage. The word for church is used, and it's used for when it speaks about the expulsion of those who did not come. In verse 8 it says... Uh, at the end of verse 8 it says, And would himself be expelled from the church of the exiles. Expelled from the church of the exiles, if you read the Greek translation, the LXX. And that's what we understand as members of this church. If you do not come to church meetings, you do face church discipline. You can be removed from the community, which means you're cut off from that physical and spiritual support that you enjoy as members of this church, who are committed to one another. And we actually have that in our constitution once again. Our constitution says, which you all ad, uh, agreed to adhere to when you either voted it in or you uh, became a member, it says members not in contact with the church for six months will also have their membership terminated. Members not in contact with the church for six months will also, will also have their membership terminated. If you have no contact with us, We reserve the right to remove you, to expel you, to discipline you by removing you from the church. You may say, okay, all well and good, advertise your meetings, make some threats, but surely when it's a bit too tricky to get to church, I don't really have to be there. When it's a bit difficult to get to church meetings, I don't have to come. Well, that brings me to my seventh main point. Our meetings should be attended even in difficult conditions. Like the Israelites under Ezra, you should also attend meetings even when it's difficult. Now I want to be clear here, sometimes sickness does prevent us from coming to church meetings. If you're really unwell, don't come to church. Don't spread around your germs and don't come if it's going to make you even sicker by coming along. Even my wife was away last week because she was unwell. Minister's wife does it, you can do it too. Don't come to sick if, uh, don't come to church if you're really unwell. But other times, I know it's difficult to get to church, but that shouldn't be an excuse. Sometimes, yes, you've got a busy life. You've got lots of other meetings that call for your attention. Sometimes it might be travel conditions are difficult. May even be that temperature is a problem for you. It's too hot to go to church. Too cold to go to church. It may be that it's pouring rain. Look at the Israelites. They came even in the middle of winter under conditions that we probably don't experience at all today, travel conditions. They came in the middle of winter, in the middle of the rain. And so like the Israelites, I think we should have an expectation that people are at church even when it's a bit tricky to come to church, even when they're busy, even when temperature isn't ideal for going outside the house. I think here in Australia we are quite blessed with a good climate that generally speaking there should be no excuse for not going to a church meeting because you are, you don't like what the weather is that day. Okay, so we've looked at the fact that our meetings should be advertised, that they should be um, attended under threat of discipline, they should be attended even in difficult conditions. But you may be saying, but why? Why go to all this hassle of talking about church meetings and the importance of going to them and under discipline and even when the conditions are difficult? Why? Why, Joel, are you preaching on this subject? Surely there's something better you can be talking about this morning. Well, that brings me to my eighth main point this morning. Our meetings should be attended because of sin. Our meeting should be attended because of sin. The Israelites attended that meeting because they saw the seriousness of that sin. Now, you may not have committed the sin of intermarriage, of marrying someone of another religion. But let me tell you that you have indeed sinned. may not be that specific sin, but you have sinned. And you will continue to sin, even if you are a believer. And so what are you to do about such sin in your life? The Bible's answer is you are to go to church meetings. Now, that sounds very legalistic. Let me unpack that. The church is God's means in this world for telling you about how you can solve the problem of sin. God could, I mean, he's the omnipotent God. He could just enlighten everybody's mind to know that Jesus Christ died for them. But he has chosen not to do it that way. Instead, he has used his people, his church, again and again through the centuries to make Christ known to others. Christ is the way of salvation. Christ is the way that our sin problem is dealt with. If you trust in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. But it is the church and its meeting together that tells people, that instructs people about Jesus Christ and the way of salvation. And as believers, we need to go to church to be instructed about Christ and our sin ongoing throughout our, our, our Christian walk as well. It's not as though you come to one church meeting, find out about Christ, have your sin dealt with by trusting that he died at the cross for you, and then you say, no more church meetings for me, they're only for... Unbelievers. No church meetings are here for believers because we recognize that we have sin problems as believers and we need to be encouraged to keep going back to Christ for grace, for more cleansing from Him for our sin because we forget so easily. It's not as though we get converted and then it's all easy for us. No, we need to keep going back to Christ. And we see this as an instruction that's given to us in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 10, 25, it says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. There in the first century, while apostles were potentially still alive, We see people were giving up meeting together. And he says, no, don't do that. Let us meet together to encourage one another. And he says earlier in that book, same book, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Why should you meet together? He says, because you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's amazing that you can come along to church and think that you're okay. But it's while you're sitting in church that you suddenly realise you're self-deceived about your sin and you need to go to God again in repentance about something, that as the word is preached to you or as you come to a Bible study, you suddenly are caught by something and go, I didn't even realise that was a problem. And now I do because I came to a church meeting. And that's why we see our church meetings as so important, that we advertise them clearly, we make threats about non-attendance to members And why we say even in difficult conditions, you should be at church because we recognize that sin is deceitful and you often don't know what you need to be challenged about. And so you just get along to church because you know it'll be good for you. You're not sure how it'll be good for you on that day, but you know it will be good for you. And so I encourage you, if you're a member of Des Moines Baptist Church, come along to our meetings. What should be our expectation of members of Des Moines Baptist? Well, at a minimum, members should be at the Sunday morning service and members meetings. Any new member that applies to our church, I always tell them. Sunday morning services and members meetings. They're the compulsory events that you need to be getting along to. Sunday morning services are where we uh, come together, hear from God's word, we pray together, we have the Lord's Supper together. That's where our baptisms take place as well. Those things that are so integral to the life of a church that we read about happening in the New Testament, they happen at the Sunday morning service. If you're not here for the Sunday morning service, then you're missing out on those things. And then members' meetings are where we make the important decisions of the church, and so you need to be at those as well. But I'd also encourage you this morning that our extra meetings that we have are worth attending as well. We have prayer meetings before the church services, 9.45, Sunday morning, we have a prayer meeting. It's a short one, doesn't take up much of your time. I encourage you to come along to that. It's edifying for those who are there. We also have Sunday afternoon prayer services at 5.30 p.m. We haven't changed that time for a while. It has been changed since I've been here, but we try to keep it consistent, 5.30 p.m. Sunday afternoons, we have prayer services. They are edifying times. Also, we have Bible studies run throughout the week, kids' clubs, kids, children, Come to church, come to kids' clubs, come along to those things because they help you recognise sin's deceitfulness and how God's grace is administered to you. Now, I know it's difficult to get to church meetings at times, but if you see the importance of God's grace being administered to sinful creatures, then you will come along to such meetings. Do you struggle to get along to church? along to church meetings? Is it because you do not know how serious sin is and how you need to be amongst God's people because that is God's way of administering the news about his grace and about our sin to his people? Let me encourage you this morning. Be like these Israelites long ago. They saw the seriousness of sin in their lives and they made sure they were at that meeting. Try and be like them. Recognize the seriousness in your life and try and get amongst God's people as much as you can so that you can be encouraged and you can encourage others to keep going to God for grace from His work, from Christ's work at the cross. Let us come before our God in prayer. Let us speak with Him now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your church. We thank you that you give us brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you that you give us that desire to meet with one another, to encourage each other, to walk before you, and to be aware of sin's deceitfulness. Lord, we pray that you may help us to get amongst God's people as much as we can, to value that precious time, those precious moments that we spend with one another as we walk before you. Lord, we pray that you may keep obstacles and hindrances out of our ways, out of our ways. Lord, we pray that you may help us to overcome the busyness in our lives. We pray that other meetings may not clash with those Sunday mornings where we can be amongst your people. And Lord, we pray that you may even keep the weather clear, so that we are not hindered in any way in getting along to your t- the times that you have designated with your people. And so, Lord, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.